going to read some verses this morning from the book of Acts chapter 16. And just for a few minutes, we want to talk about living in the center of God's will. What it means to live in the center of God's will. Acts chapter 16 in verse number 1. Then came he, this is talking about the Apostle Paul, to Derby and Lystra. Behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mythia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach, for to preach the gospel unto them. It's important to know the will of God. It's important to live in the center of the will of God. And the number one thing is, if you're not a Christian today, there's no way you can know the will of God. You're going to have to get born again. When you're saved, then you, you set out in a life endeavor of, of uh, following the will of God for your life. I think it's worthwhile for all of us, whether you're 16 years old or 66 or 86 or whatever your age might be, it really doesn't make any difference. It's absolutely essential that you understand God's will for your life. And uh, certainly those younger years are critical years because you are making life decisions that will affect the rest of your life. But that doesn't mean that when you get middle-aged or older, that it isn't important for you to know the will of God. It is important to follow God's will every day, every year of your life, that you're living your life right in the center of the will of God. Amen? If you don't, you may have plans, you may have ideas, you may have goals, but if, if Jesus Christ is not the center of all that, it's going to be a lot of disappointment, a lot of failure in your life if you haven't put Jesus at the center of your life. So all of your planning and all of your goals and all of your attempts at trying to accomplish something worthwhile with your life, it's not going to really be meaningful and it's not going to be fulfilling until you find out, Lord, what is it that you plan for my life? Interesting verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. 
uh, that's familiar to us, but uh, just give a little different slant to it here this morning. Uh, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. A couple of words in that verse that are kind of interesting to me as I was uh, studying uh, uh, this passage of scripture, we are his workmanship. You know that that word uh, comes from a Greek word and I can never pronounce the Greek words right, poema, and it means fabric, fabric. We're his workmanship or fabric and I you know, I was trying to think, what in the world is, is this talking about? It's talking about the fact that God can take something like my wife does with just a roll of fabric and uh, all of our married life, uh, I was never around anyone who sewed. Uh, my mother didn't, she wasn't a seamstress, never did sew. But I remember when we first married that we, one of the places we went shopping when we lived in St. Louis, we were newlyweds was to a fabric shop and she bought fabric and she made curtains. And uh, I began to realize really quickly, this is something pretty amazing. That someone could take something that doesn't have any meaning or structure to it at all, but can make something worthwhile out of it. And all these many years, she's done that and she's still doing it. And after all these years, and I can remember a lot of times her making the dresses for Easter Sunday for the, for the girls, our girls, and making clothes for them. And she would go and the girls would pick out their patterns and their fabric and each one of them with their different personalities is the way they wanted their dress to look like on Easter Sunday. And then my wife would somehow cut out all these little pieces that did not seem to make any sense at all. But when she put it all together, it's great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Amen. And that's what the apostle here is describing here. Your life, your life is like fabric that has great potential once it's put into the hands of the Lord, then he can do something with it. Uh, that God has ordained, the word there means fit beforehand. That God knew beforehand how to shape your life and plan your life and make something meaningful out of your life. When you insert your own plans and your own ideas, it's probably going to be a disaster. But if you commit your life to the Lord, then the Lord can cut and shape and and can bring your life into something that really is going to be important and significant and something that he can use and that can be used in the kingdom of God. Amen. Another verse is verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 5 where it says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That word unwise there is a word that means mindless. Don't be silly. Don't be foolish, don't be ignorant, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand that God has a plan and it's not so important that you do the things that you want to do. It's important that you give your life and your future and all that God has blessed you with and that you commit all of that to him and that you live out your life in the center of the will of God. 
Amen. And from Acts chapter 16, I read those 10 verses. Uh, I think there's a little insight here in these verses here that, to help us to see and understand how to, to be in the center of the will of God. Now, if you're not a Christian, then that's the first step. You need to get saved. You need to get born again. You need to surrender your life uh, to the Lord. That's the beginnings of doing the will of God. And then all the days of your life, you should be pursuing, Lord, is this your will? Is this your plan? Is this what you want me to do? Is this what steps you want me to take? And how do you want to fulfill my life and use my life for your glory? Notice here in Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul joins himself to a young man by the name of Timothy. One of the first things that's important to understand in finding the will of God is that God uses people to help you accomplish his will. He uses people. And God never intended that we isolate ourselves or feel like that we can go it on our own. We just cannot. That's why the church is so important. That because without the church, then there's, there's obviously other influences in your life. But we need to be influenced by people who know God. People who are walking with God. People that are living according to the will of God and the plan of God. And I think sometimes we treat church and the church uh, a little too carelessly when we don't really consider the fact that, that we are influenced by the people of God and that we are also influencers to the people of God. We come to church because we know, yes, we've, we come to glorify God. We come to worship the Lord. We come to, to gain uh, uh, insight and understanding into the word of the Lord. And there's a lot of reasons to come, but people are a big part of it. Amen. Amen. The people of God. Here you're rubbing shoulders with men and women of God. Here you're, you're spending time with the people of God. And you're being encouraged and edified and blessed. And, and uh, God uses people to bless our lives. And Paul understood. He was, he was on a big endeavor. And he understood that he needed other people. What he recognized is that he needed Timothy and that Timothy needed him. Timothy was just a, a, a young uh, a young man, uh, obviously his father had probably died when he was a young, young man. And it was his mother and grandmother that were the big spiritual influences in, her life, in, in his life until Paul came along. And then Paul became like the spiritual father uh, to him that would give him counsel and advice. And that caused Timothy, uh, who according to the book of Timothy, uh, that uh, he was timid. He was fearful. Uh, he, had, uh, he had nerve problems. He had stomach problems. I mean, Timothy had all the issues that went along with being timid and backward and shy. But, but Paul was in, always there to encourage him and to help him and give him some advice. People need people. Amen. That's why the church is so important. God never intended for Christians to try to make it on your own. You just, that's not the will of God. You need the people of God. You need the church. And the church needs you. People work together to bless one another. Paul told Timothy, don't let, don't let people despise your youth. Don't let people say, well, he's too young. 
Uh, but instead, instead he said, don't let anyone despise your youth, but instead be an example uh, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Until I come, then give your time to profitable things, uh, to, to reading and exhortation and to, do, to doctrine. And then he said, don't neglect the gift that's in you, uh, that was given to you by the laying on of hands of the presbytery. And then in verse 6 of 2 Timothy, he said, uh, I want to remind you, I want to put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God or fan the flame. This was the Apostle Paul uh, who was spending time investing in a young man that God was going to use mightily, but uh, he, needed, he needed the influence of Paul. And Paul needed the companionship and the help of young Timothy in his ministry. And it's proven here in this passage of scripture that when he joined with him, then he was able to, to go and to do the ministry, spread the gospel. And it says in verse five, and the churches were established in the faith and increased in number daily. Paul recognized there's a lot I can't get done unless I have Timothy. People, we need one another. We need one another. The church needs one another. Do you understand that if you come to church Sunday morning, Sunday school and church and Sunday night and Wednesday night, you're spending about five to six hours a week of your time in the house of God. That's not that much time. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's 4% of your time during the week is given to coming to church. That's if you come to all the services. Only 4% of your time is given to gathering together with the people of God. You need the church and the church needs you. You need the people of God. If you want to know the will of God, go to church. Go to church. Be, in the, be under the, uh, the influence of, of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God who can encourage you and bless you. Amen. I had a pastor who, when I was a young person, about 16 years old, I was... You know, like a lot of young people are, I was kind of in the middle of decisions, didn't know what I needed to do, getting involved in things I didn't need to get involved with. And I can remember one day that the phone rang. This was before cell phones. This was when the phone hung on the, hung on the wall. And uh, the phone rang, and it was the preacher calling. And he wasn't calling my mom. He was calling to talk to me. And I thought, oh, what have I done? And uh, he said... Uh, I'm gonna, I want to come by and pick you up. I, I've got to go so-and-so, and, and I just want to know if you could ride with me. So I still was wondering what was up. So I was going with him to some place of business, and uh, I, I later, and of course now when I review and look back on that experience, I remember what we talked about, and, and he was gently nudging me, gently encouraging me pushing me in the right direction and kind of warning me about some things, a few steps that I had taken and that the direction I was taking. I don't know what would have happened if it hadn't been someone who took a little time with me, who cared about me, who invested in me. We need the people of God. You need the people of God. You need the church and the church needs you. So when you get up on a Sunday morning and it's 19 degrees and you're thinking, I don't know. I think I'm just going to stay in my pajamas. It's just so cold. I, they won't miss me at church. Yes, we will. Yes. We will miss you at church. 
We'll miss you because we need you and you need us. And so you put forth the effort and you get to the house of God because the church is so important. People are important. Amen. That same pastor uh, that uh, you know, invested in my life, I, my, my mother was a drummer. I'm talking about she played the drums in the band. And uh, so uh, when I was like 12 years old, I got all interested in playing the drums. And so uh, she taught me uh, these little, the, the, the rudiments, uh, the little flammadiddles and the paradiddles and all the little things. She taught me how to do them. And uh, so I, I was learning and interested in, in the drums, but I wasn't playing drums in church. But the pastor, when he found that out, he said, you know what, I've, I have found some drums. We, we need to go buy some drums for the church. And I was like, okay, sounds good to me. And uh, so we went to the other side of town and we went to this house and the, I, don't, I guess he found an ad in the paper or something. That was, that was before cell phones and, and uh, marketplace and all those things. That was when you looked it up in the newspaper. And, uh, but he had found a used set of drums and he said, we need these in our church. And he said, if we bought those, could you play them? And I said, I'll sure try. And so he bought those drums and brought them to church. And I'm just going through this all to, to remind you that we need one another. And that was a preacher that cared enough about me that he invested in me and really made a huge impact on the future of my life. Amen. People need people and the church. We need one another. We need one another. Amen. It's here in the house of God that you can receive some really wonderful godly influence. And you don't even realize that you're being influenced by people as you observe them worship, as you hear their testimonies, as you're praying for them or they're praying for you. You are being affected because we need one another. Let me just ask you, what are the, what are the biggest influences in your life? I hope it's not just social media, although I gave you the numbers on how much time people spend in church, 4%. That's for people that go to three services a week. 4% of your time is in the house of God. The average American spends 17 to 18 hours per week on social media. Three times, four times as much time as the most faithful churchgoer spins. What do you think is influencing us in these days? There are a lot of things in this world and the influences of this world that we do not need. But there's, there are certainly some important things that we can learn and we can glean from being among the people of God, in the house of God, that can make a difference in your life. It can help you get on the right pathway to follow the will of God. If you want to do the will of God, then hang around Godly people who are doing God's will. Amen. Amen. And then another little insight from this passage of scripture is in verse 6. Where Paul and Timothy are traveling on in their ministry. And they go into the region of Pergia and Galatia. But the Bible says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Obviously that was their, that was their plan. Was to go to Asia and to preach. But the Holy Ghost said, no, not that direction. 
So then they decided, well, let's go north, and we'll go to a northern area. And when they were come to uh, Mysia, they essayed to go to uh, Bithynia, which was more to the north. But the Spirit suffered them not. Another um, insight into the will of God is that the Spirit of God, the voice of the Spirit of God, will speak to you and will restrain you and will keep you from going in a direction that you should not go. If you'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will direct your steps and say no or yes as far as God's plan and God's will for your life. I really believe we treat the will of God too carelessly. We need to, we need to know with certainty we were following the will of God. We're doing the will of God. We're living our lives to please uh, the Lord. And if God... If we listen to the voice of the Spirit of God, sometimes he's going to say, no, I don't want you to do that. No, I don't want you to follow that, that direction. I, I want you to go this direction instead. The voice of the Holy Spirit can speak to you and can direct you and can, res and can uh, restrain you from going in a direction that uh, uh, is not the will of God. Now, later on, on, the, on a later missionary journey, they did go into those areas of Asia. That's where Ephesus was at. That's where a mighty revival was and a great church was established. It was not no, uh, never. It was no, you can't, don't do this right now. You don't know the plan of God or the will of God. And so you have to make certain that you are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. When God says no, then he may have some other plan. Or he may be saying, not now. He may be saying, uh, the timing is not right uh, for you to take that step. And so uh, it's important to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. Amen. Doing the will of God, you need the church, you need the people of God. And you need uh, the voice of the Spirit of God. Now if you'll listen and pay attention and be in tune with the Spirit of God, God will direct your steps. Amen. God will direct your steps. And he will help you to move in the direction that is pleasing uh, to, to him. Amen. And then another thing that you'll notice in this text is that, that uh, uh, the Bible says that, uh, that instead of going to those particular areas, to minister as they had planned to, that a vision appeared to Paul in the night, verse 9. And there stood a man of Macedonia. That's, that was more in the European area. That was more in the Roman Empire. The vision appeared to Paul, stood a man of Macedonia praying, saying, come over unto Macedonia and help us. And so I don't know if he ever had a plan to go into that area or not and, but oftentimes, God's plans are much bigger and greater than your plans. If you'll yield yourself to the Lord and to the plan of God, His plan is it, it's much greater than you could ever imagine. And actually, in this text, it reveals the fact that God can speak to you even by divine revelation. In this case, it was, it was a, a vision in the night hours. That, uh, that the Lord came 
uh, to the Apostle Paul and as he sees this man in this vision. Now, I'm not a pro proponent of a dreams and visions every night and that all dreams and, are uh, from God. I understand that they're not. But I also understand if you read the Bible, uh, very much you're going to see that God does use dreams to speak to people. And he does speak to us by divine revelation to help us to see what he wants us to do just as he did for the Apostle Paul. Now, I hadn't really given a whole lot of thought uh, to that until maybe a couple of years ago when Steve Ormsby was talking to me and he, and he, say, he said to me, I'm going to pray that God will give you dreams. And I was thinking, oh, this is just Steve. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you know that God, if you'll look in God's word, you'll see many, many, many places in God's word where God did send revelation by dreams. Maybe it's because in the night hours, it's the only time we get quiet and still enough. The rest of the time, we've got so many other things that uh, we're filling up our mind with and our time with. Um, but when we get still in the night, um, that God can speak to you. And I'm not saying I've had lots of spiritual dreams, but there's been some dreams that when I woke up the next morning, I realized that was, that was from God. That was from the Lord. The Lord was dealing with me about some particular thing. Look at Job chapter 33 and verse 14. And Job says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. But in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction, that he, withdraw, that he may withdraw man from his purpose. Isn't that interesting? Job would say uh, that uh, God speaks once, he speaks twice. You don't get it. You don't pay attention to it. But then, in a dream or a vision in the night, when sleep falls upon you, then he opens up the ears of men and instructs them. And he withdraws man from his purpose or hi, uh, and hides pride from man. Basically, uh, he's just saying, in the night hours, I can finally get your attention. I can speak to you in the night hours, maybe through a dream. I can give you instruction. And he literally says here that you might keep you from your purpose, that he might say to you in the night hours, that's your purpose. That's what you want to do. But you need to listen to what I want to do and how that I want to work in your life. So it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me and instruct me? And if I'm not, if I'm not hearing your voice, then Lord, in the middle of the night and in dreams and in visions, would you reveal yourself to me? Because I want to be in the center of your will. I want to know your will. I want to follow your will and your plan. For my life. Amen. So it can come by rubbing shoulders with the right people. People. The house of God. Amen. You want to know the will of God? Get to church. Get to church. Get in the altars. Seek the Lord. Spend time with the people of God. Observe that God has people in his church that you can learn some stuff from. Amen. Amen. God has placed men and women of God in his church that can influence your life and can point you in the right direction. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. So listen to those that God places in your life through the ministry of the church. And then listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, God dealing with you and speaking to you and instructing you, go here, but don't go there. Do this, but don't do that. The Spirit of the Lord giving you warnings. And if you won't hear that, then ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me in dreams and visions in the middle of the night when I'm finally still enough to hear from you, Lord, speak to me and show me your will and your purpose for my life. Amen. I do believe that uh, a lot of our pursuits, a lot of the things that we are seeking to do with our life is all the result of our own self-pride and our own ambition, our own desires, and we have left God out of the picture. We've forsaken the Lord and his plan for our life. Young people, oh, how important it is that you seek the Lord about your future and that you seek God, that you're serious about it. Amen. And get to the house of God. Get in Sunday school. Get in the... In the, the uh, uh, the altars and let the Lord speak to your heart. These are serious times that we're living in. It's not a time to treat it carelessly or get in the house of the Lord. Get among the people of God. Amen. Allow the Spirit of God to deal with you and speak to you and even ask the Lord, Lord, by revelation, even if, it, if it's by dreams and visions, just as you did for the Apostle Paul and Timothy when in the dream that man from Macedonia appeared. I mean, they were kind of dead in the water because they were going to go to Asia, and the Lord said no. Then they were going to go north, and the Lord said no. And it's like, Lord, we're stuck. What do you want us to do? And the Lord revealed himself. He spoke to them in that dream, in that vision, in the night. Come over and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. This opened up the gospel to the Roman Empire. This opened up the gospel to Europe in ways that the Apostle Paul could have never, ever have imagined that God was going uh, to do and give open doors and opportunities he could have never seen or imagined because he heard from God. Amen. Are you living in the center of the will of God? You can. Your life is like a piece of fabric. And God wants to provide the pattern so that when it's all put together, it makes sense. It accomplishes something. Something is made out of your life that matters for the kingdom's sake, not just for you and your, your purpose, but for the will of God. God wants to shape and form you and make you into what pleases him. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to direct the steps of the people of God. And those in this place today that may be in the midst of, of turmoil in their spirit, not knowing if they should go north or south or east or west, not knowing what to do, what steps to take, what direction to take. Thank you, Lord, that you can deal with us and use the people of God to do that. And you, you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And you even can speak to us by divine revelation to help us to see, Lord, that we're following in the way that you would have us to go. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.